Happy Friday, everybody. We decided to do a little pre-party uh, for the show tonight. You'll get the full Spain and Fitz uh, that, that, that went on this evening. Uh, but we wanted to preface it with uh, your expectations for how the show will be done, which will be uh, as fast as possible. Uh, I, we, we can't make time move any faster than it does. But in our heads, we will be counting down the seconds because Fitz and I are getting drunk tonight. Uh, not together, although I suppose we could FaceTime each other uh, with the miracles of science and technology or, or I guess like Zoom each other. Uh, but we are both uh, a little bit spent. I think spent is a good word, Fitz, because of the sports apocalypse that's happening. We went so long without any, and now we have, I would argue, too many. And I would normally never say that about sports because I love them. But I am having trouble keeping up. And tonight, uh, when the clock strikes 7.30 Central here in Chicago and we hand off the reins to the NBA team, I will be pour myself a cocktail. Can we just acknowledge too, like that extra hour being Central Time really helps you on Friday nights. Oh, I mean, it, it just, really does. It you, and there's a there's this popular. I get asked all the time, like on Friday night shows, my buddies are like, "Oh, you just sit back having a drink?" No, I'm doing my job. I'm being professional. But this is definitely you are right. Like I feel like that that person that hasn't been in the gym in a really long time, and then all of a sudden we decided that we were just going to hop in the gym and start powerlifting more than we've ever lifted <laughs> in our entire lives. Like my sports brain is so just fried at this point that I, you know, it's like after that sort of gym workout, you need the the fun that comes with protein. The the protein I need right now is alcohol. Like I just uh, just That's yes. Right. There you go. Look at that. So I I challenge. For you, that perhaps this evening you will get drunker than I will. Not that it's a competition and not that that's a safe thing to, to bet on. Kids, if you're listening, uh, everything in moderation. Uh, but despite the fact that I'm going to an open bar Cubs rooftop, last homestand of the year, so my last opportunity to check out a Cubs game, socially distanced from a rooftop across the street from Wrigley Field, is tonight. Uh, but tomorrow I'm actually throwing a socially distanced dinner party in my backyard. We have separate little tables for everybody to sit at and hang out at. And then Sunday, I'm going on a boat for my friend's birthday before a day of watching football. So there's a chance that I won't be sober at all this weekend. Look, I, I, you lost me at I'm going to be more drunk than you and you're going to an open bar. Like, open <laughs> bars are a little like a buffet. Like, I walk into a buffet and I'm like, I don't need more prime rib, but it's on the buffet and I paid for it. So if it's free, then I have an obligation to indulge. Like, that's a little why, like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm out on ever hosting open bars for events in general because my god i know how i behave in an open bar setting like oh, so you're a cheapskate with your friends no yeah my god yeah my my friends do, <laughs> let me bring a bottle like just you know who i'm talking to by the way if you're listening to this podcast and you are my friend you know who you are that always comes to anything and never brings a bottle just bring a bottle uh, like that's all I'm, like, see i'm at the point now when when people come over i tell them not to bring anything because we have so many get-togethers and we can't drink all of the booze i know this is a first world problem but like we we keep having events thinking it'll take us down a notch and we'll be able to free up some space in the old liquor cabinet or the wine fridge, and it never happens. I think the problem for me is that many of my friends drink uh, probably better things than I do. So a lot of times, like, it, it's just one of those things when they do bring a bottle, in all honesty, <laughs> right. it ends up just sitting in the bar because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not. bring I'm, your trash yeah. and then they drink your, like, Johnny Walker blue. I'm like, uh, hello, that is not crown <laughs> vanilla, okay? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is, But you're on to something. See, one of the things for me is, like, I do some digital work, uh, you know, countdown to game day in the college football show or digital college shows that I host on Saturday. So I can't really let loose on Saturday. But I'm telling you, the, the Raiders don't play on Sunday. I'm getting turned. Like, there's there just no, go. I mean, I'm going to put yeah, my see, feet up. I and, have, yeah. yeah, I have trouble usually Friday night because I have this 75-minute power yoga that I do every Saturday morning. So I don't like to make that 
like uncomfortable. I prefer to enjoy that and like really get a good sweat in. So that's the only thing holding me back tonight. And then I have to like cook for 10 people and, you know, you know, be excited about drinking for the dinner party, which like, you know, sometimes if you go a little too hard, that that glass of wine the next day doesn't go down so easy. So I think that's the only reason I think I'll be able to resist. And now that I've said it, there's no chance I'm resisting the open bar, by the way. Now that I've said it, it's 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 done so for me. Can we also acknowledge like the whole hair of the dog thing that worked in my 20s does not work in my 40s? Like that oh, moment you know what now. I just discovered that oh. does work. And since I live in a state where it is perfectly legal, if you pop a little gummy in the morning uh, during a hangover because you want to get back at it. It's remarkable. Yeah. It works. I, I mean, you 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 had me. And by gummies, of course, we mean vitamins, like gummy bear Vitamin. vitamins. Adult and, content. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's in there? Potassium or? Uh, yeah, pot- sure, 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 sure. Like uh, vitamin like, C. I'll just uh, you know uh, I'll quickly reveal the one time that I was flying uh, somewhere and you know they they started just unloading my book bag. And finally, the the TSA person, because they like there was a, a a microphone in there, so I got stopped because the microphone looked weird because of the mic stand. Right. And the TSA person was just pulling, you know, vitamins after vitamins after <laughs> vitamins. And he finally looked at me. And he's like, "Man, you really..." In-, and this was his quote. I'm not even <laughs> paraphrasing. He's like, "You really enjoy your vitamins, don't you?" And I'm like, "I am a very healthy human being." So, yeah, no. So I appreciate that. Everything uh, about that's that. That's funny. Um, also, uh, I love that you called a book bag. Is that what you called yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, are you a child? Yeah, we know the answer to that. <laughs> also, um, I took my Comrex, which is our radio units that allow us to do the show from wherever, a hotel room, our, our home, wherever. And it, I took it in its actual case to travel, which ever since then I've figured out just to take all the pieces and put them in my suitcase. But it's got this very hard cover case. And I flew to Arizona with it, and my bag never came. It was waiting and waiting. And then they called my name. I went to the office, and they said, oh, yes, ma'am, we have your weapon. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we have your weapon. Hold on. They come back. I'm like, that's a radio. That's a, that's a radio. <laughs> and I was laughing so hard. And then I got on the rental shuttle to go pick up my rental car. And I look up at the sign and it says, you know, make sure you have your your weapon, you know, properly labeled or whatever. And the, the, the silhouette looks exactly like the bag I'm carrying. I'm like, oh my God. It definitely looks like I've. It just it looks like I'm packing heat, and I totally understand why they checked it in as a weapon. That is oh, now I like wanna, you know get messed with at the airport. Go ahead and bring your Comrex in that hard case. By the way, you've accused me of being a child in this show. I'll have you know, I did not giggle when you said unit. So I feel like unit. I'm growing up. Oh, it's your duty to laugh. Ha-ha. Duty. Aha. <laughs> We're never gonna make it through this show. Spain and fans oh, the show. We'll see how it goes next. It's Friday on Spade and Fitz. Nailed it. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I got too confident. I got too confident. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah, we're a short show tonight. We are packing a lot as we get everybody ready for the NBA tonight. And it's a Friday, and we are going to get crazy. Things are going to get weird tonight. Let's get straight to some straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I was sitting last night, you know, uh, I was breaking bread with our our, our brother, uh, Michael Luke Jr., right? Uh, you just listened to him on uh, Chenae and Jr. We, we're going to have some... too much of him. We're going to get into that later. They need an intervention. Yeah, uh, he should have talked to me about some of their plans last night. I might have helped him a little bit. But we were sitting back, we, we were sitting back excited to watch, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Browns and the Bengals, and we were excited <laughs> about that game because of the quarterbacks. You know... 
I am like I feel like I'm the the king of the Joe Burrow fan club at this point. But I, everybody today on ESPN has been talking about the greatness of of you know Baker Mayfield questioning where it's going to go and what it means. For me, Sarah, I watched last night and I said, man, some of the things that Joe Burrow's doing in just a couple of games is just remarkable to me. And if I'm a Bengals fan, even though they lost, that's best case scenario this year. You lose the game because that's going to help you get more good draft players. That's what bad teams always say. And then you, in the meantime, you figure out that you got a quarterback you think could be special. I kept watching him last night, just really marveling at his abilities. I completely agree with you. I do think there's something to be said for needing to throw a W in every once in a while because you don't want to get beat down to the point that you forget what it feels like to win. You do want to have, you know, it's hard to flip the switch. And I remember talking to a guy who came from the Cardinals when they were a winning team uh, to the Bears, and they were in the midst of, of their stretch of, of really bad seasons. And he said he could feel it in practice and in the locker room that it was just a team that was used to losing, that just didn't understand the difference and what they had to bring to the table in order to get to the other side. So I do think that you need to throw a couple W's his way. That being said, what what you said is absolutely right. The number of passes he's throwing, though, keep an eye on that. Do they have no run game to even try? Is the O-line that bad? The answer to that, of course, is yes, because uh, if anything's going to slow him down, it's going to be Bobby Hart and that O-line um, just keeping him on the run, keeping him under pressure. I, I hope and cross my fingers that he stays healthy behind that O-line, but I don't know if you can be airing it out as much as he is game after game. He's setting records, I think, for rookie QBs for the amount that they're having him use his arm uh, without there being some recourse for that. So something to keep an eye on for sure. It's fun to watch, but uh, I don't want Mr. Uh, Noodle Arm to show up at any point. Well, you make a great point. 37-61, to 61, and I was a little stunned to see last night that that was their game plan, was just throw the ball. Now, there were a couple of things that really stood out to me that were impressive. One, they've obviously taken a lot of things that he did at LSU, which is a little bit of a statement to how good Joe Brady, the offensive, or I should say the passing coordinator at LSU, was in bringing pro elements to the offense. It, it, obviously, he was ready for this step. But also, I think it's a sign of where the NFL is now that they're looking at their quarterbacks and saying, how can I tailor to what you do? And there were a couple of times that he got out of the pocket and was running. And Sarah, the most impressive thing to me is that as he was running, he rotated his hips to get his feet in position to make a throw, which forced the defender to not come up on him. And then he was able to turn the Jets up and ran, run around him. I mean, that sort of level of awareness. And I think that's the biggest thing that really hits me when I watch Joe Burrow. For all the conversation about the Browns who won the game, I'm watching Joe Burrow saying the level of awareness on mm -hmm. where to put the ball, when to go, where, what's safe, what makes sense, how to force defenders to make difficult decisions on how to defend him. That stuff, that's just the that's instinct. You can't necessarily coach, and that that to me what is what stands out for Burrow early on for the Bengals, and it's a reason and to have a lot of hope. Yeah, the confidence. He doesn't get happy feet. He doesn't get scared. He's willing to run and knows when to slide. Just stuff that feels like he's already a professional so early in his career, especially compared to other guys uh, when they're making their first starts. On the other side of the ball, I don't want to totally forget the Browns because uh, we can never take a Browns win for granted. I think that's become <laughs> very clear over the last couple of years. Um, OBJ, we're, we're talking about it, and I heard people say today, terrific game. Four catches for just over 70 yards. That's his 12th straight game without 100 yards. That's a career long for him. You see that one big play, that 43-yard score, you think to yourself, okay, they're on the right track. But four catches for 70 yards is not going to be enough for him, and there are persistent rumors that the Browns are looking to trade him and that he is out uh, on, on the market. So I don't know how long for this market OBJ is. Uh, it's interesting to see 
the swagger that they can find together, Baker and, and, and Odell Beckham Jr. when it works out. And I think it would be really sad if that just didn't pan out and they ended up trading him. I think it would you would have to find people to blame that on outside of those two guys because uh, that would just be, to me, a waste of, of having an incredible talent on your roster. That would mean you didn't use him right. Especially given how good Nick Chubb was last night. That should oh, create yeah. opportunity for OBJ. That's some straight talk, everything for less, only at Walmart. Now, the weekend starts today, which is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated fan- daily fantasy app. And with that in mind, I thought we could have a little bit of fun here, and maybe we could take a look ahead at the weekend with some most likelies, like maybe almost like superlatives. Sarah, you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, so why don't we start with most likely this weekend in the NFL to remain unbeaten. I'm going to, uh, not surprisingly here, take Kansas City. I believe that the Chiefs are clearly the best team in the NFL. They're going to remain unbeaten. They got a Chargers team that I think they're going to smack around. So I think that the uh, Chiefs most likely to stay unbeaten. I uh, would agree with you, but that's boring. So let me figure out uh, that was going to be my answer. Oh. Uh, I will instead take the uh, the Packers as well. I, I think the Chiefs are most likely, but I also feel confident in Green Bay being able to hand the Lions another loss and improving their record to 2-0. and I like that. What about, uh, let's take the opposite side of it. I'll let you go first on this one. Most likely to remain winless. Oh, I'm glad you let me go first because I'm going to take the obvious one this time and I'm going to go with the New York Jets. They are facing the San Francisco 49ers who themselves are looking for a W and I don't see any possibility that the Niners, regardless of personnel, fall to the woeful Jets. It's funny because I looked at it and said, you know what? I'm going to take the Jets here. And then I thought, Chris Mitchell, <laughs> producer extraordinaire, I didn't want to break his Don't heart by making both him. of us. No, in. no, no. He's too far broken. He can't be fixed. Right. That is that is probably fair. So I was like, let me go with something else. And I'm going to go, uh, in this case, with Miami, most likely to stay mm, winless. Okay. Uh, and that has, says a lot about how much I believe in Buffalo. I, I think Buffalo is an 11-win football team this year. And I, I think we're going to really be stunned by them. But also, it helps that they're playing against some teams that are just holy hot garbage. So that uh, I'm taking Buffalo to win, not so much just because I believe in Buffalo, but because Miami is uh, just – they're not going to be able to keep progress. up. Yeah, a work in progress. All right, let's go with – this one's a little trickier. Most likely to change our minds on any narrative from week one. Most likely to change our minds. What you got? Oh, this is a tough one. Um because the ones that I that I think need to change our mind most strongly, something like the Eagles or maybe the Colts, I don't necessarily feel confident that this is the week that they're going to be able to dig themselves out and do that. I think maybe Washington. Uh, no, you know what? I'm going to go Jags. I'm going to go, we know the Jags are tanking. We know they're bad. And regardless of what Gardner Minshew tries to do, I still think that they're going to settle back into the expectation for them. And so I think they will change our minds from, oh, are they not that bad? To like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, they're they're really bad. Oh, I like that. I'm going to go with a controversial pick for my most likely to change our minds. Sunday night football, the Patriots. They're going to change our minds and not in a good way. I I think Seattle is going to thump the Patriots and they're going to take all of this cute running that we saw in week one and they're going to say, great, now we got the tape and we know exactly how to shut it down. And all of a sudden it's going to be absolute crisis, partially because I believe so much in the coaching of the Seahawks as well, but partially because I just don't think, I think the, the Patriots are able to get away with it until everybody sees it. And then it's a real question of execution. Well, and the opponent matters too, right? Week one, they take they, they, they take out the Dolphins, and then you look at an offense in Seattle and you say, oh, what about all those players that opted out on our defense? We could use them right now against Russell Wilson and company. Oh, uh, before we so go, I'm adding, a, I'm adding a topic to this, oh. this most likely. Uh, because this, you asked, you know, change our minds, surprise us. I am already surprised that we are getting juicy sound bites 
out of a certain team. So most likely to give us juicy sound bites. The surprising answer is the Bucks, based on what we saw from Arians and this response from Brady. There's been a lot of talk this week about Bruce Arians kind of being Bruce Arians and kind of being blunt in his criticism of you and specifically in the two interceptions. How is that for you? I think there's a perception that you haven't taken a lot of criticism from your coaches before. I don't think this is something that surprised you this week, is it? Oh, so what's the question? No, just just whether you were surprised at all to hear Bruce speaking publicly about the picks and, and, and being critical of you as he was. Uh, you know, he's a coach, so you know, I'm a player just trying to win a game. Ooh, I mean, I want the real housewives of this. Like, Man, whatever. You are too good to be that cranky about something like that. I thought Tampa might make him a happier Tom, but it, it, it sounds like it, it hasn't. Not until they get a dub. <laughs> You'll be happy if you tune into football action this Sunday. The Jets host the 49ers. Pre-game begins at noon Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Coming up next, we're going to get you the preview for the Lakers Nuggets, The way our favorite way to do it. We're going to get you both sides of tonight's matchups from two different experts next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. That's right. It's a Friday. Fitz, I'm going to muster up some energy despite the bad news. I'm not even going to mention it in this segment because it is a Friday, and maybe later in the show we'll mention something very sad that happened. But right now I'm going to stick to the sports for once in my life. I'm sticking to sports because uh, we have some picks to make. We've got week two of NFL action. We've got college football action. I think you might dip a toe in that as well. We're going to do a new segment we like to call uh, Six Pack. And maybe at some point we'll get some good uh, sounds of people opening beers. I don't know if that's a good idea, though, Fitz, because Friday already goes off the rails a a tinge. And I'm worried that if the sound of uh, opening of a beer might have some sort of uh, effect on us where we're incapable of continuing the show. Yeah, at that point, I just sprint down the hall and uh, like somebody at ESPN somewhere (laughs) must still like have beer hidden under their desk or something. I'm I'm drinking warm beer. I'm so in need of it right now. Well, make sure you tune into the Spain and Fitz podcast and subscribe. Today's pre-party is all about how Fitz and I are racing to the finish line of today's show, more so than ever. We both are very much in need of of a mood enhancer, if you will. Uh, And now even more so. But again, I'm going to stick to sports. Let's do our picks for the weekend. We'll get a six-pack, so six games apiece that we're going to make a a call on. I don't like picking against the spread. I can never figure out which one we're using, so I'm just going straight up. And I'm starting with the obvious. I'm so sorry, Mitchell. But the 49ers at the Jets, I'm taking the 49ers. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on Kittle's status, but honestly, it doesn't matter. Even if he's not there, I'm not really concerned. I know San Francisco needs a W. I know the Jets are a garbage fire, so I'm very confidently picking the 49ers to get a W this weekend. Well, as usual, great minds think alike because on my pick six, I also am taking the 49ers. And I think the 49ers are not only going to win this game, I think they're going to win this game in statement, embarrassing fashion. Sorry, Chris Mitchell, producer extraordinaire. Uh, This looks like a blowout all the way through, and I expect that a lot of the conversation about the 49ers is going to get back to how good they are because they're going to thump up on a bad football team. Jets win by three. Wow, Mitchell. Okay, we're clipping that off, and we're going to play it for you over and over again throughout the year as they lose every single game. They did an experiment on KJ and Z the other morning where they tried to figure out when the Jets would get their first win. I think they were after the bye somewhere around week 9 or 10. So, good luck to you. Yeah, I mean, he said they win by three. He didn't mean this Sunday. Uh, That's the only thing I can give. At some point in the season, they'll win a game by three. Uh, You want to go first on the second one? That way I don't steal another one of your picks. Well, you know, it's easy when you're picking to go against particular teams that just I don't think they're going to be very good. Miami's one of them, and I I just – I really believe – 
in the Bills and their offensive weapons particularly. I think we'll get a much better idea of who Josh Allen is, the passer. There's Obviously, all eyes are going to be on his development. He's got some things he needs to fix accuracy-wise, but he took huge leaps forward last year, and I don't think he got enough credit for it. I think he'll do that again this year. I still think the Buffalo Bills are going to end up by the end of all of this really giving the top of the AFC a push. They'll remind everybody of that this week. They're going to kill Miami. I like that pick. Also, by the way, it's official now. George Kittle has been ruled out with that sprained knee, but doesn't change my pick. The Jets will still lose. I like your pick on the Bills as well, and I'm very much so far enjoying Josh Allen as one of my fantasy quarterbacks. Ooh, good pick by you. My second pick in my six-pack is, like you mentioned, easy to pick the teams that are facing other teams that don't look great. I'm going with the Packers over the Lions. I'm really looking for Aaron Rodgers to spread the love a little more. Devonta Adams, a career-high 14 catches in that week one win, and I think – uh, the Lions, of course, are going to focus on him, but they've got banged up corners. Desmond Trufant, Daryl Roberts, both mispracticed this week. They might have a rookie out there making his debut, trying to keep Devontae Adams under control, which could get very ugly for Detroit. By the way, if you are betting, the Lions have covered in six straight games against the Packers. Something to consider, but I still think the Pack get the W. I like that pick a lot. You got uh, What do you got next? I got the Chiefs over the Chargers. They're at the Chargers. You mentioned it earlier. They're a confident uh, pick for a team that's going to remain unbeaten. Just so stacked, right? What we saw last week with the addition of Edwards Alaire, uh, in addition to all of the weapons they have in the passing game, And if you look at the turnover battle between these two teams, in losing five of six games to the Chiefs since he took over as head coach, Anthony Lynn's Chargers offense has committed 17 turnovers and their defense has generated only two. You remember, of course, what it looked like for uh, Watson in week one with that Chiefs pressure on him. Uh, So Terod Taylor knows what he'll be looking at, and it's not pretty. Uh, And I I especially think this matchup is relevant with a young season and no preseason to have the continuity of the Chiefs taking on a team in the Chargers with a new quarterback uh, and and trying to get started uh, with with some new pieces over there. I love that game. I almost put it on my pick board, but I took it off because I'm going to veer a little bit here and give us some college football. I'm going to give us a college pick, Sarah, because uh, as anybody that likes to watch their college football pregame work on digital, uh, I'm again this year hosting Countdown to Game Day, even though we're not going to campuses we're still doing it safely but countdown to game day every saturday morning plus the college football show every saturday night you can check that out on the espn app Uh, thank you very much Uh, game day is at louisville for the abc saturday night game so i figured why not pick miami versus louisville that's number 17 number 18 i am taking miami in this game and look dear king quarterback for Miami had a good not great first game a lot of people have said it was great it was not great to me he still has some accuracy issues that need to be cleaned up but I think that'll happen and over the course of this year Miami's going to grow because their King's going to become a more confident passer Louisville uh, by the way I- I'm still not convinced they're not putting everybody possible in the stands there's some, been some social media pictures there that are a little disturbing for the crowd noise and, and what that's going to look like but I think Miami's a better team and now that they're getting actual great quarterback play I think they're capable of getting uh, they're going to win this game and I think it's going to be a big statement for how good Miami is moving forward I love you taking the college pick and getting the plug in that's the way yeah. to do it friend look at that I'm going to take us back to the NFL and to your uh, sometimes hometown of Nashville uh, the Titans I've got the Titans beating the Jags now this is a tough pick for me and I started things started to get a little more difficult I, I uh, that that Bills pick was probably one I should have made it started to get a little tougher because I do think there's still some question marks around both these teams Jags did better than we expected in week one and the Titans It's hard to imagine them repeating the same successes last year, despite a lot of the same weapons. I still think that Minshew and the Jags are built to fail, 
And despite them, you know, upsetting their plans to tank last week, I think this will be uh, right on schedule for what the Jaguars are hoping for. Derrick Henry has 498 rushing yards in his last four games against Jacksonville. So should be a pretty good day for him again this week. All right. Uh, next up for me, I'm going to look at the Rams-Philly game. And this one, mm. I took this one because it's a bit of a challenge. I wanted to challenge myself. Yeah. I think the Rams are going to beat the Eagles. And this all comes back to Aaron Donald. I keep re-watching what Aaron Donald did on that Sunday night game. And it was just a, a man amongst boys. And frankly, defensive line play so far has been bad. So uh, not for the Rams. I think because of the Eagles' offensive line woes, the Rams are going to get that win. The good timing, I had that one as well. Wentz sacked a league high eight times in week one, and now Aaron Donald's going to get a look at him. So I, I agree with you. I think the Rams beat the Eagles. Our last picks need to be our own teams. I've got the Bears beating the Giants, but it's mostly a homer pick because I don't know much about my team. Three quarters of bad football, one quarter of Mitch suddenly looking like a guy who knows how to throw the ball. Saquon has got to do better than six yards this week, but I think I've got the Bears. Yeah, I, I think that's a good pick, and uh, I'm taking the Saints over the Raiders. We're go we're each going to pick our favorite team. Unfortunately, it hurts my heart, but Saints are still better than the Raiders at this point, even without Michael Thomas. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. That was our six-pack. Coming up next, we're switching gears. We're going to give you some quickies. A little Friday quickie action. It's coming up next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, <laughs> ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Boy, do we need this Friday. Countdown is on. We're taking you into Lakers Nuggets game one tonight. Short show. We're done in a half hour. And we will be hitting the bottle. Subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast to find out how and why without even more reasons having been added. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. We just did our first six-pack week two NFL and college football picks. Now we introduce you to the segment that has basically been invented by the sports apocalypse that we are currently in, which is too many things to talk to and not enough time. So we introduce you to quickies. Let's get into it. We're going to get 24 seconds on the clock for each of us for each topic. Let's start with a heat win last night. They go up 2-0. The Celtics locker room erupts literally Put 24 seconds on the clock. Fitz, go. Well, look, I'm not surprised to see him playing with that kind of passion afterwards. I mean, there, there's this level of, of frustration to the way these games have ended. So I love fire from a team. I want a team that's yelling in the locker room. I want a team that's going after it, that's saying, hey, not now. We've put too much on the line in the bubble. There's too much at stake. I, for one, am all in on a team that's down 2 nothing. that could be looking at it and saying, how did we get here? I'm in for that team turning around and saying, we deserve to be up in this series, not down. All right. 24 for me. All right. I agree with you. I actually think that this looks like a bad sign, but if they can turn it into something good where they realize that that passion and that fire and that anger can be pushed into the, the court and they can work their way back into the series, it's a positive. The key for them is figuring out how to play against that zone. They're going to probably see 30 to 40 possessions of it in game three. They have to keep their rhythm and play it just like, man, they're getting lost in the zone that the Heat's throwing at them. All right, moving on. The next part of quickies. These go real fast. <laughs> Lightning versus Stars in a Stanley Cup final. Put 24 seconds on the clock for me. Ah, yes, the Stanley Cup final. Tampa Bay, Dallas. Nothing says hockey like Tampa Bay, Dallas. The good news for Canadians 
who have gone quite some time, don't have the number off the top of my head, but way too long without seeing one of their Canadian teams win the Cup, is that neither of these teams is from a hockey hotbed, but both will be competing for the Cup on Canadian soil. So there's that going for you, I guess? I mean, all right, put 24 on the clock, and I'll give you my thoughts on this one. And you, <laughs> by the way, we are both hockey fans. For every hockey guy that's like going to Twitter now, ready to go, all right, here's my 24 seconds. How 2020 is it for us to get <laughs> lightning stars? I mean, Dallas, Tampa Bay, two markets that don't even care about their hockey teams right now because last time I checked, they have NFL teams that they're actually trying to pay attention to. This is the most 2020 thing of all time to give us this Stanley Cup final between these two non-traditional markets in that moment. And maybe I'm just a little jealous that my Preds aren't there. I was going to say, uh, those Lightning folks are going to get up in your menchies because they have been knocking on the door for a while now. This might be their chance. I really got good hockey stars, team. though, so I might go for Dallas. We'll see. Giannis, MVP, reading a New York Times paper with his name right on the front of it. Back-to-back MVPs, almost unanimous, crushing it, but he's also on vacation golfing because he is out of the bubble. Fitz, 24 seconds, go. My problem with the world is the same problem that everybody has in this, and that's that we constantly view this MVP regular season award like it matters. The problem is we put so much emphasis on legacy and championships that it devalues MVPs. I'm not willing to do that. Giannis was the best player in the regular season, and for that, he deserves the trophy he got. I don't care if anybody likes it. It has nothing to do with what he did or didn't do in the bubble. I'm still all Giannis. All right, 24 for These 24 seconds are killers. Uh, they, They go fast. I agree with you again, Fitz. Uh, This rule and this award is all about semantics. You need to decide for yourself, is it the best player in the league or is it the best season? And you also need to award it to that player before the postseason begins because I'm sick of these awkward moments where a player gets given the MVP while he's been escorted out of the playoffs while another player like LeBron, who has a perfectly good argument for it, is still going. It muddies the waters too much. Give the award for regular season, but hand it out then too. Speaking of Formats and playoffs. WNBA second round was last night. We got a blowout in one game where Shanae, well, put the clock on. I'm going to get going. Our good friend Shanae Ogumake's sister, Neka, unavailable for the Sparks, and they get routed, and it's a one-game single elimination second round. After going to the Wubble and putting all that work in, it's just not fair. Even more unfair is seeing a team like like the Mercury lose by one and seeing Diana Taurasi, the god, end up going out that way in a single elimination game. They need to go to at least three in the second round. All right, my turn. I'm ready for it. Let's go. I'm all in on this. Sarah, I've only become more of a WNBA fan over the course of the last year. You know that, but I finally picked a team, and now I'm glad with the playoff status as long as it works for my team. I'm all in on <laughs> Vegas. All right, look, it's my it's my original-born hometown. I love the Aces. I'm all in on Asia, so I'm I'm 1,000% in on the – so as long as it works for Vegas's benefit, I think the playoff structure works exactly the way it should, but you're absolutely right. These, these women are too incredibly talented to let it come down to just one game it is I I know I'm going over but it is exactly what we said the other day it's March Madness meets the NBA playoffs I'm in for every second of it that's right it's Spain (laughs) and Fitz ESPN Radio Sarah Spain Jason Fitz it's the quickies there's too much there's not enough time speaking of we always have time for Chanae and Junior hit me with the clock okay 
Junior's been making a thing of this twerking and butt waggling on uh, two damn Fridays, which I appreciate. But today he went and painted Feed Me on his belly, and he's taking it over to ACC night after dark. It's getting wild over there. Meanwhile, Chanae is trying to do a Texas accent poorly, might I add. We found something else she isn't good at. This show needs an intervention. Look, you said everything that needs to be said, but I'm, I still want the clock. I need the I didn't clock. I need the end of the clock. I, I said it. I, Mike's my guy. You know I love both of them, but my God, when you, like the other night we were doing a show together, we were sitting on the couch, and when he got up, he said, I thought the couch made me fat, and then I just looked down and realized it was quarantine. So what did he do with that? <laughs> he fe- he writes, feed me on that stomach after he just told me that he's, you know, feel a little fluffy right now. I don't understand that level of body confidence. I'm not body shaming. I'm actually jealous. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Opt-outs in college football fits. Now some guys want back in since the season might happen. 24 seconds on the clock for fits. Yeah, give it to me. And this is all about the NCAA. You've got players that signed with agents that are, are dominant players that want the opportunity to come back in. This is simple NCAA. Just look up at the clock and say, you know what? It's 2020. Our bad. If a kid didn't think that they were going to have any shot at playing football and they hired an agent which will help them train for the combine, I don't think they should be held accountable to it now. They should be allowed to play. This is a simple one, which means the NCAA will inevitably get it wrong. <laughs> I like that dismount. Put 24 seconds on the clock. Sorry, phrasing. Uh, yeah, I assume that there's someone out there smarter than me who will explain to me the reasons why these kids meeting up with an agent or starting the process of going pro uh, gives them some sort of advantage. But I'm not here to hear it right now. This is such a wild, terrible year. And if they have the opportunity to play and circumstances have changed, I think there needs to be flexibility with them and they need to be given the opportunity to go back. Whatever that takes from the NCAA or their conference or their school, I understand it'll be difficult, but you got to make it happen. Finally, I'm going to be I'm going to be nice on this Friday. Uh, and, you know, we're in the midst of a lot of quickies, so I'm in a good mood. The White Sox playoff bound for the first time in 12 years. Put some time on the clock for me. Listen, when I lived in L.A. and the White Sox won the World Series, I was super happy for them. They were repping Chicago. And I was like, I don't know why people are so bad about Cubs-White Sox. They're not even in the same division. Like, I root for them. Then I came home and started hanging out with White Sox fans, and I remembered why we hate each other. But I'm putting that behind me, and I'm saying congratulations for the first time since 2008. Not only did you go from nothing to something, but you got the best record in the AL, and you look like world beaters Congrats to the South Side. That is such a perfect dismount, Sarah. You take it from there. You are the champion of the Woo! quickie on this particular oh, you can win Friday. A quickie? Yeah, wow. but well, I just decided that. Thank you you win. for letting me finish it first. You're... We just got in the zone with all those quickies. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. A true gentleman, that Jason Fitz. Coming up next, Packers, we have more weapons than we thought. We'll talk to one of them next. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. <laughs> It's a Friday edition of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget, are you got a Great America ad? Doesn't it feel like these are all sequels to the one with the old man? It does actually kind of feel like that. You're not wrong. Uh, tune in for the interleague action this Sunday. The Cubs host the Twins, presented by Geico. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. All right, we got a lot of NFL action coming this weekend. One of the big surprises of week one was how explosive the Packers were on offense. We spent a lot of the offseason questioning it. So let's head over to the Shell Penzo Performance Line, where we are joined by Green Bay Packers. Wide receiving receiver Alan Lazard. Alan, like I said, we spent a lot of the offseason questioning the weapons the Packers had, and then y'all came out and had an explosive first game. How did you use that questioning as motivation? You know, I think 
honestly, we just push each other hard every single day. And obviously, you know, the leader of the room being Devontae, um, the way he goes about his business on and off the field, um, it's just so professional. And I think, you know, having that leader um, is infectious, not only to us in our room, but the whole team as well. And, you know, I think just from our preparation, being in year, year two of our offense and uh, obviously having a very talented group, we were able to be uh, very productive on Sunday. One of the other big talking points throughout the offseason was uh, the addition of love and what that means for Aaron Rodgers, a guy who's, you know, been atop the quarterback lists uh, across the league for, for many years. Did it feel any different to you, particularly working with those guys on a regular basis in practice, uh, to have that hovering over this year's prep for the season? No, I don't think so at all. I think um, everyone, including um, – Aaron to our room and, and the defense as well. You know, I think we just all all prepared with, you know, with what happened last year in the back of our minds. And we have really just one goal in sight right now, and that's be able to go back to the playoffs and uh, go win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl trophy. So um, I don't think any of that stuff's really bothering anyone. You know, our main, our main goal right now, obviously, is just focus on the Lions here week two and be able to come out with a W and be able to move on from that. So walk me through that focus a little bit because this is obviously, you know, a different world in COVID. So how is it affecting game week that uh, obviously things aren't normal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for one, um, not dealing with the fans or anything, that, that was obviously a lot different um, without feeling that energy in the stadium, um, the juice from the crowd and everything. So um, that's, that's a huge difference. But um, as far as like throughout the game week and stuff, um, just, you know, obviously doing the, our COVID testing and protocol, um, just getting used to that, which I think, you know, most of us are by now being like week eight or so of it, um, just kind of becoming a, a, accustomed to that and be able to be able to adjust and still be able to get work. Cause like I said, we're all focused on the same main goal of winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, we're not going to let little distractions get in our way. Wait, wait, you said you guys are getting used to it. Like, I've had a few COVID tests. Are they still doing the, like, the Q-tip all the way up the nose thing? Because I don't know how you ever get used to that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, ours aren't going as, as as deep as that, I think. But, um, you know, they're still swabbing us in the nose. Fitz, it <laughs> might just be that they're, you know, professional football players and you're 5'8", <laughs> buck 50. I am 5'9", thank you, ma'am. Uh, but, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably fair. You have a sensitive brain. Uh, it's Spade and Fitz, Sarah Spade, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard. So looking at that week one, you know, like we mentioned earlier, that conversation about does Rodgers have the targets that he needs? 17 uh, targets for Devontae Adams. Uh, four for you, four catches, 63 yards. What do you make of your week one performance? Um, I think, you know, we were able to go out there and finally just get into a groove. And I'll be able to go out there and really kind of just figure everything out, be able to play as a as a unit in uh, full speed, you know, full contact uh, live for the first time, which is really just out there getting our feet wet and just kind of getting our feet underneath us before the season goes. So um, I'm only hoping to improve on that this week and to be able to keep on, you know, fighting for perfection every day. Was there a physical difference for you coming into the, the season, not having the normal ramp-up time or preseason? Yeah, I think um, how Coach LaFleur um, managed the whole preseason camp uh, period was awesome. You know, I think he really gave us a, a good amount of time to get our bodies acclimated, um, getting used to playing football again, you know, hitting the ground, contacting people, and be able to practice at full speed so we can get better every day. And 
Um, but coming into camp, um, I was probably as fresh as I've ever been, you know, without playing football for the first time for about for that six months or so. Um, my body, I allowed my body to reset a lot and uh, really kind of focused on my joints, my movements, um, my flexibility and stuff to make sure I could come into the season as healthy as possible. Alan Lazard with us of the Green Bay Packers. You know, one of the things that we haven't yet seen and that's about to begin with week two is a bit more travel, moving about the country to more than one place and the reaction to, you know, teams getting out of their little bubbles uh, for this past weekend's games. For you, how are you handling what you do in your free time, who you see, who you interact with, and how you can make sure you're still available to be on the field every week? Yeah, so, I mean, I think being here in, in Green Bay makes that very easy. I'm primarily just going to the stadium or coming back home. Um, you know, I don't really go out, so to speak, as much. Um, I'll stop at a few places to get food. Um, Grab a butter there, burger. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, um, you know, I'm just trying to eat as healthy as possible. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, just um, when I go to those places, I usually just get the food to, to go. So um, the only people I'm really hanging around and seeing or having constant contact with is really just my teammates and coaches. So you're going to go in on Sunday, you're going to score a touchdown, and you're going to go to where there would usually be a Lambeau leap. What do you do? There's nobody there to leap into. Do you still just leap into the stands? How do you handle it? Yeah, I mean, I am. I, I, I fully plan on uh, Lambo leaping come Sunday. Um, even though there aren't fans, you know, it's not going to be the full effect of a of a real authentic Lambo leap. Um, I still want to get my practice in, you know, so <laughs> I'll make sure to to, to get, get as many reps as I can come Sunday. But, Alan, you've got some size, right? So I don't have any doubt that you can make it all the way up there without needing anybody to, you know, give you a grab. But what about some of the smaller guys? I mean, do you have faith in Aaron Jones' ability to complete the leap and sit up there without uh, getting that nice wedgie grab from a fan to help him up? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Aaron Jones is a freak athlete. Um, <laughs> so there's no doubt within my mind that uh, he would be able to, to lightly spring up there um, and comfortably be able to sit up on the on the stands. The way you said that Alan, makes me think there might be someone else on the roster you do have doubts in. You're like, oh, yeah, Aaron Jones is a freak. Now, this guy, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, all I was thinking about was Mason last year after the Lions game, too. It was yeah. just uh, him trying to get up there. Hunter had to help him up. So, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. All right, Alan, before we let you go, I got to ask you. One, this is tough. You know, we're, we're not close to each other, so I can ask you this. And, no, you won't, you won't get mad at me. You went to Iowa State, and they were upset over the weekend, right, <laughs> last weekend for college football. Yes. And I always find it interesting when there's trash talking in, in locker rooms in general for guys that played, but everybody, you know, has a different situation. So do you go unscathed when your team loses because a lot of teams aren't even playing? Can you, did, you, did you fly under the radar? No. No, I did not, actually. <laughs> uh, a lot of my teammates made it well known that uh, they were questioning. You know, they, they were obviously, you know, um, uncertain on what happened, really, because uh, – we had practice during the game, so no one was able to really watch it. But, um, but yeah, we were obviously all very upset. And uh, But we know Coach Campbell in the program, and he does such a great job of being able to, to rally those kids together and be able to bounce back from any adversity that they're going to face. Well, if there's anything I know, they, they wouldn't have lost if you were playing. We appreciate you hanging out. Alan Lazar, <laughs> thank you so much for the time, man. Good luck through the rest of the season. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you guys, too.